Hey folks, another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. Following last week's shooting in Atlanta, in which a gunman killed eight people, including six Asian women, there has been a national conversation on anti-Asian racism and what constitutes a hate crime. Meanwhile, it's the final week of jury selection in the trial of Derek Chauvin, and the judge rejected the defense's attempts to delay or move the trial out of Minneapolis. And the Department of Justice continues to investigate the insurrection at the Capitol, with new charges brought against two men who were accused of assaulting Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who died the day after the attack. Ann Milgram and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So you'll recall a time, Anne, before the pandemic, since we've been doing the Cafe Insider show, where horrifically, it seemed like week after week, we were talking about a mass shooting. Yes. And though the last year has been terrible and awful, not just for America, but for the world, and we've lost hundreds of thousands of people, the, the one thing we haven't had to talk about really are these incidents of mass shootings where many people die. And it seems like that's no longer so. And in the last week alone, we've had you know, two awful shootings, one in Atlanta, Georgia, last week, which we'll talk about, and the other just last evening, Monday evening, in Boulder, Colorado, which the reporting at this moment is there are 10 dead, including a Boulder police officer, Eric Talley, 51 years old, the father of seven. We don't know much about the shooter, other than we know that the shooter was taken into custody, you know, quote unquote, without incident, and did not kill himself and was not shot by police. But, but was, was injured. injured, it appears. Yes, yeah. exactly. It was being treated. Does the motive matter? You know, so I, I think a couple of things. One is, it is early, and and I want to. I think law enforcement are being very cautious to figure out what happened before they release too much information. They were hesitant. You probably saw the first press conference last night, as I did, where they didn't even release the number of individuals who had been killed, and they were they were frantically trying to reach family members before they did so. And so I think I think they're trying to be as sort of thoughtful as they can be. And they what they said repeatedly is that this is going to take time. We have to do a thorough investigation. And so the question of motive, when it comes to under the law, and we're going to talk about this in Atlanta in a minute when we talk about hate crimes, but at this moment, we don't know the motive in Colorado, but we we do know that it will be prosecuted as a murder, as a homicide case. And the police and law enforcement will, they will work to understand the motive and they'll they'll work to sort of do the timeline of what happened and when. And so in terms of as a legal matter at this moment in time, no. In terms of as an investigative matter to understand what happened, what was done, you know, whether it could have been prevented is always a question you ask. It's a piece of this. Yeah, and to come up with better policies going forward and understand what the behavior is of certain people. But, you know, people should appreciate that other than in rare cases like hate crimes, motive is almost never an element you have to prove at trial. But it is something that people wonder about. So I'm assuming this was your experience too. If you try the case against this shooter or anyone else, even in matters where motive is not an element, you know, motive is distinct from intent, 
jurors want to know what the motive is. And prosecutors generally come up with a theory of motive because it helps to tell the story, explain the story. Can I ask you, can I ask you a question? So I didn't actually watch the Boulder Presser. I read about it afterwards. And, and I saw a fair amount of criticism of it. Were you satisfied by it? I think, so two things. One is, you know, it was the the police commander and the Boulder DA. And I should say that I was a classmate of Michael Doherty, who's the Boulder district attorney in the Manhattan DA's office. He is an excellent lawyer. Uh, he's smart. He's thoughtful. He is deliberative. And I think that this matters in exceptionally good hands. And so I would I would say that as a sort of initial matter that I, I know and respect Michael enormously. I think what they did last night is when they first came out, I would have liked them. And and I want to be really cautious in saying this because when you sit in these chairs and something like this happens, this is devastating. You have 10 people who've lost their lives tragically, most of whom just went to a supermarket to buy groceries in the afternoon. And so – and you've got a police officer who's been shot and killed. And that just – those things just shake the police department and the DA's office to the core. And they have to work very, very methodically and thoughtfully. And so I think what happened last night when they first came out, they did not give a lot of information. I think they were just being very cautious. And they wouldn't give out the number of people who had who had been murdered. I think Michael ultimately said what they should have just said up front, which is, we're still trying to reach family members. And until we do that, we can't release information. And then the other question is, should they have waited another hour or two to alert family members to be able to go out and say that there are 10 people who tragically lost their lives? And we have one suspect in custody. Um, we don't believe that there were others who were involved. And and just sort of you know reassuring the public, giving out information. And I mean, you know this, it may be a little bit different in the federal system, but in the, in the state system, at least, it's very dynamic when something like this happens. And you really have to balance giving information to the public with making sure that you've done the right thing by the families and also that you do the right thing by the investigation. And so here, I don't think that was as much of an issue, but but it is, it's a it's a balance. And and so I, I understand the criticism, but I also think that these folks, they they I thought that they had a lot of integrity and that they were trying to do the right thing, even if they might have not done it exactly how it would have it would have come out a little bit more effectively with the public. The other shooting, Anne, also tragic. In Atlanta, Georgia, took place just a few hours after we taped last week's show. Eight people dead, including six Asian American women, in shootings that appear to have been done by one individual at three massage parlors in the Atlanta area. Yeah, and and Preet, this is the really is the latest tragedy in a disturbing trends of violence against people of Asian descent in the United States. I read an article this morning that there were five assaults on Asian Americans in New York City over the weekend, four of which they're looking to charge as hate crimes. And we got a great question from one of our listeners just to sort of we just started this conversation, but I think it's an important conversation. And the tweet was from at Ant Fun. Why does it matter if it's a quote hate crime? question mark. The person who attacked my family member should be held responsible regardless of motive, right? And so I think that's an interesting starting place, which is just to say that when you think about hate crimes, there is an underlying crime here. In Atlanta, the suspect will be charged with with murder. There were eight people who were killed. There was a ninth man who was um, seriously wounded, injured in those events. And so obviously, 
murder is always a charge. But the question is, would you also charge it as a hate crime? And what that gives you when when it's charged is a sentencing enhancement, meaning that it ups the penalty of the crime. And so it depends on whether it's, you know, a Georgia case, uh, and Georgia has a new hate crimes law that we can talk about, or it's a federal case, but there's, there's an additional penalty in terms of sentencing if you can prove that it's a hate crime. Although in certain cases, like the, the case in Georgia, in which murder will be charged, the statute says very clearly, a person convicted of the offense of murder shall be punished by death, by imprisonment for life without parole, or imprisonment for life. In circumstances where the underlying crime, whether you have motive of hate or not, is the most extreme punishment you can have, there's no enhancement that really does the, the job of greater punishment. What it does do, and we've talked about this on the show many times, is in cases like this, it, it's a kind of statement of the community and law enforcement to say, you know, we value members of the community, all members of the community, minorities and everyone else, and attacks on people, whether it results in death or not, if it's because of their membership in, in, a, in a particular ethnic group or racial group, that's worse. There's something bad about that that society condemns. Um, and in cases like this, it doesn't make a big difference or any difference at all in the punishment. But I think the, one of the reasons you're hearing a lot of people talk about it is it's very important for communities to recognize and to fight against that kind of thing. Because by the way, in this case, you know, there were a number of murders in, in other cases where there's just an assault, like you've seen in New York, the enhancement makes a big difference. There's also two additional points that are worth making. A lot of states, I think all states now, have hate crimes laws. That wasn't always the case. And so for a period of time, it was one of the ways that you would get federal jurisdiction over violent crime is if it was a hate crime, if it was based on race or religion or, or other protected categories. And so that's been something, you know, historically that has allowed the FBI and others to, to sort of engage and investigate crimes that otherwise would be just local state crimes. Another point related to to what you're talking about is the importance to the community. I think that this is a really important part of the conversation because if if you think about the way a prosecutor's office could operate, they could easily sort of say a version of what you what you just said, which is and and I'm not saying this is your position, but like the beginning point which is if you charge a homicide, you have certain elements to prove and obviously an intentional killing here would be the would be the essential charge. And then you go to the jury on that. If you add the hate crime enhancement you or just the, ha- the hate crime charge, you also have to prove the motive, that the motive was based on here. It would be the fact that these were either people of Asian descent or that they were women. It could be, it could be either. And so, or both. And so you're, you're essentially proving additional things. And so the tension there is that you and I talk about a lot. Prosecutors want to simplify cases. They want to, you know, you never want to sort of have to prove more than, than you need to before a jury. So there's a tension there, but but my view is very similar to yours on this, which is that it is a really important statement about when someone's motivation is based on hate, based on race, religion, gender, protected, you know, national origin, it is really critically important for the community to have that those elements charged where they can be charged. And this is still part of the investigation. So I, I wanna say you and I are, are talking about as though we know for certain that they can charge it. It appears here that there's a lot of evidence that would lean in that direction, but the the case is obviously still unfolding. Yeah, I mean, look, as I think you mentioned, the Georgia hate crime law is a recent vintage, just in the last year. And my understanding is it came about because of a case that you and I have discussed before on the show involving hate crime, 
involving a victim named Ahmad Arbery. And it was reaction to that case that caused the Georgia legislature to enact this hate crime. And the statute reads, and it, and it mimics or mirrors some other laws around the country, if it is determined beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant intentionally selected any victim or group of victims, etc., etc., because of such victims or group of victims, actual or perceived race, color, religion, national origin, sex, sexual orientation, gender, mental disability, or physical disability that constitute a hate crime. And here in Atlanta, I know we're saying it's not clear how much evidence they have to prove any particular prong of the hate crime statute. There's a lot of debate about this because in the minds of some people, it's pretty obvious what's going on here, particularly in light of the wave of, of crime against and violence against Asian Americans in this country. Was this because of sex uh, or gender? Or was it because of national origin? Or was it both? And do you think that the prosecutors have to choose? Right. I, th I think that's a very good question. I think that's something where the prosecutors could charge both. The suspect here was clearly targeting women who worked in these massage parlors. There was also a couple that was killed, a husband and wife, who were present in one of the massage parlors at the time. And, and there were three separate locations where the suspect killed individuals. And so I think the way I would think about this is that I would charge any, if it's provable based on gender, I would charge that. If it's provable based on national origin, I would also charge that. And so I, I think this is an instance where it can be both and that it's worth acknowledging as a question of prosecution if the evidence is there sufficient to charge both. And again, I, I do want to say this, it does appear very clearly targeted to women and to women of Asian descent. And so I think on its face, that is a really critical thing for an investigation to be to be focused on. We don't know the the facts completely yet. And so I think we have to we have to be thoughtful about that. But yes, I think if there's sufficient evidence of both, I would charge us both. And you know, people may remember that when law enforcement talked about the incident, there was a good bit of criticism of one of the officers who said, yeah, basically the guy had a bad day and this is what he did. And then also said that the defendant had a sexual addiction, had been a patron of two of those three spas, and he was trying to remove the temptation. You know, a couple of things I think are worthy of, of remarking upon with respect to that. One is uh, <laughs> experiences that you don't take at face value everything that a defendant says in the moment after that person is arrested and has engaged in a mass murder. And motivations can be more complicated. And sometimes the facts speak for themselves and the targeting speaks for itself. Do you agree with that? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I was surprised that the sheriff's deputy came out and basically argued the defendant's defense for him. I thought that they were very cautious and bolder last night when they came out. And part of it might be that there was a very swift condemnation of the sheriff's deputy for making statements that were, I mean, the investigation is ongoing. And so I, I think that the statements made by the sheriff's deputy were deeply problematic. And, and just to your point, I mean, that's the suspect who just murdered eight people and wounded a ninth person, that's the suspect's statement. And the investigation will figure out what the motive was and why. And people, you and I both know this very well from having done a lot of cases, people who are arrested for committing horrific crimes don't always tell the truth about what those motives were. So we should also talk about the ongoing jury selection in the trial of Derek Chauvin, who's the officer who killed George Floyd. And you'll remember last week, we talked about this abrupt and sudden $27 million settlement 
Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.